bottom line. Jackie Deason. Jackie Pick Deason. Welcome. Thank you. How are you? Good to be with you. I'm great. Me too. How are you? I'm very well and excited about this conversation. No pressure, but I know you can handle it. This is one of those conversations where I that you would think of high intellectual conversation. So I'm super excited about this. I told Philip this morning, today is going to be intellectually stimulating. Good. Because <laughs> it's Jackie. I hope I deliver. Yeah, oh, yeah, you always do. So welcome. At the bottom line, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's called the bottom line because we're, gonna, we're looking for those root causes of things, right? Mm-hmm. Like what's really going on? And as you know, we fight human trafficking, so in, we tie it all together. But this conversation today, from your background and your expertise, I want to dive into energy, oil and gas, Russia, Ukraine. What's, what's in that mind of yours and, and real solutions and what's, what's wrong and how do we fix this? So I think let's start at one point a little bit, just a little bit about your background, if you don't mind. Okay. To paint sure. that picture. Yeah, so I'm a lawyer by training. I came out of law school, litigated for a while, and then went to Capitol Hill and became the counsel to the subcommittee on the Constitution's chairman, uh, which is part of the House Judiciary Committee. And part of why I'm interested in oil and gas is that while I was there, the war on terror, as it was called, uh, was really in full swing. And you start doing uh, investigation into how these um, the worst acts on earth are funded. Mm-hmm. Let's say um, exporting terrorism propaganda across the world from the Middle East or paying for actual kinetic acts of terrorism. Most of it goes back to oil and gas money in the Middle East or in North Africa or elsewhere. So my boss was an oil man uh, who started in Texas when he was 11 years old. And uh, after he inherited his grandpa's pickup truck and just decided he was going to quit school and go into the oil patch. And later he became a self-made millionaire and he ran for Congress and he's still an oil man now. Uh, So I learned a lot of what I know through the lens of an American oil man. Mm -hmm. And I realized we are so dependent on Saudi Arabia and the Middle East how do we get out from under that problem? I saw it as the, the source of a lot of problems. Because as you know, the 9-11 hijackers were mostly Saudi, right? Yeah. Like there were a yeah. lot of people involved in helping things happen and moving money, but they were Saudi. Um, so I began to think it was wind and solar. At that time, the appropriations were just beginning on Capitol Hill in big numbers to fund and build out alternative energy. And uh, I even went to work for a company that does solar as part of its portfolio and realized this doesn't work as a plan to transition from fossil fuels. So mm-hmm. getting off of what the Middle East is selling is not possible. We are not going to move off of fossil fuels till at least 2040 or after, according to any credible estimate right now. I don't care what any politician yeah. says. Yep. That's the math. So once I realized this, I found out from, from my boss and others, it's about the American fracking revolution, where suddenly we had so much in the way of reserves that we always knew was there, but we could not get it economically out of the ground. So there was this innovation that really hit big in North Texas, right here where we are, that changed the world, really. And so the combination of hydraulic fracturing and horizontal drilling made us go from 5 million barrels a day to being the top oil producer on earth. In just a decade or so. Which equates to energy independence, ultimately. Yeah. I mean, we have an ocean of natural gas beneath us. 
an ocean of oil. We are the top country in nuclear production. We're the top in everything. I mean, coal reserves, there's so much where we can produce and use and export more than anyone else. We are the Saudi Arabia of everything, basically. So why on earth? Are we we still dependent on the Middle East? And it was built on decades of a different reality where we didn't have everything that we needed. So we had to rely on others. Um, I started my show a while back. It's all about energy policy and oil and gas and wind and solar, energy and environment, because my my mission really was to prevent World War III. I understood that the last two world wars were determined— uh, their outcome by who could get a hold of energy. I mean, as people know who study World War II, Hitler tried very hard to get a hold of Baku, Azerbaijan, yep. because of the massive oil field there. Yep. And if he had succeeded, who knows yeah. what would have happened? World dominance, world dominance at that point, economic yeah. dominance. Yeah. And not not having it, the Nazi scientists actually invented something called Fischer tropes, which is basically converting coal, which is what they had, into the fuel that they needed. So there are all kinds of things that came about at that time. Um, and fracking was around back then, by the way. But it was very primitive compared to sure. what we have now. Sure. Um, my boss told me they used to just drop dynamite into the well. Kaboom. And that was fracking back in the day. Uh, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> no. We don't do that anymore. No, no. but technology allowed us to do things. You know, just I don't think you, you know this about me, but in 2004... 2005, right? I find myself on a Native American reservation for completely different reasons, fighting trafficking, and it's huge. But I find myself, and I'm standing this particular day, I had to be adopted by this tribe to help the tribe, to represent the tribe at the time with Governor Brian Schweitzer and all the different things, Montana and and North Dakota, South Dakota. I'm standing this particular day, and a guy who's part of the tribal council on crutches says, it's ironic, isn't it? And I said, what is that? And they all have their native names. And, and so he, he's, he's, um, he had a particular tribal name. And I said, what is that? And he said, we don't have bread. There's no windows on our houses. It's boards. Our children are being trafficked. We're number one in meth. But we have black gold under our feet. I said, what are you talking about? Well, I was standing on top of the Bakken shell. Pre- it, right as horizontal fracking was happening, and, and I knew nothing about oil and gas, right? What I knew about energy was South Africa, which you just mentioned. We don't have oil and gas. We couldn't import. We had to take coal and convert it to other forms of fuel. Sasol is the company in South Africa. So I learned about this. Wait a minute. Yeah, he's right. It's one of the largest basins. And then, of course, the Bakken, and it, and it happened. And so I was, it was an interesting little part of my history of standing there, and they knew. They knew because the BIA and the landmen, they knew they'd been trying to get into the Balkan, but fracking, horizontal fracking was, the technology had to catch up, I guess, mm. is what it was, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So fracking was the answer for the United States to become, as I said, and this did happen, uh, the number one oil and gas producer on earth when prices are good, because here it's not state controlled, it's all private. So we sure. only throw money into it when we can make money. So the prices have to be at a certain level. Um, And what's great about this for us is, you know, the battle of my time, the war of my time is the war on terror. So for me, it's not it's not World War II or Vietnam. It is the war on terror. Those um, states that fund terrorism are almost exclusively petro states, meaning they rely on oil and gas 
I don't want to say exclusively, but almost exclusively for their revenues to meet their budgets. Basically, as the oil price rises and falls, their state rises or falls. So when the United States can flood the market with oil and gas that we didn't have before to put on the market, it brings the prices way down, as you saw in the past, not too long ago, yeah. um, you know, 2016. Absolutely. And those countries face default. They face state failure. It is an emergency. This is a five alarm fire for because it's their own, it's their main revenue driver. It's like a town that only has a paper mill, and if yes. the paper mill doesn't work, the whole town goes hungry. Yeah. And this is Saudi. And if we look at that, what's very interesting is you know my background. I played professional sport. Saudi Arabia started investing in sports facilities. They started attracting world prize fight boxing events in the middle of the desert. They literally made a statement for this new city of Neom that they're going to build to say, we are going to go into entertainment. We have to find another revenue builder because they were not producing income from oil like they did prior to President Trump at that time. And for those four years, they made a radical shift. They had to because they knew, hey, we got to do something else because there's nothing else in the desert. Right. I mean, this is what they do. That's right. Yeah. They're even saying, you know, we're going to build our own Silicon Valley. Yeah. We're going to move into renewable energy. I think that's just PR. Um, but they have a lot of investments they're making uh, outside of Saudi Arabia. Whatever they can do to stay alive. Mm -hmm. Because they saw what was happening. And by the way, it's not just the U.S. that has massive shale plays that could come online. One country that does is Ukraine. Yes. Right? So Leads us into this debacle <laughs> yes, they're, they're, that we're standing in today. No one's talking about Why, the resources that Ukraine has. Because in every war, all of them, they always divert your attention from what's really going on to some shiny object over here you're supposed to look at. There has to be a drama. There has to be a narrative. So for Putin, strangely, it's the same one that Hitler used, which is, well, these people across my border actually are ethnic Russians, and they speak Russian. They should be a part of Russia. As Hitler said, over here in the Sudetenland and over here in Austria are these ethnic Germans, and they speak German, and they should be German. And, and that's what compels me. Give me a break. You yeah, know, so right. Come we, on. We could play that game all day long, because yes. if you really wanted to look at how borders have changed over time, right? Russia would have to give uh, a, a significant portion of its eastern peace back to Poland. Yeah. I mean, how far back would we like to go and start giving back things? And that, redraw lines. Yeah. And redraw lines. Yeah. Um, so, so this is a pretense. I mean, and I think nobody's buying it. No one really believes that Russia is A lot of correct. confusion in the general public, though, like what's going on? Because a lot of things just don't add up. So I'd love for you to keep going on this trend, to just lift to the surface, say, forget the shiny object. Right. Don't buy into this hogwash of, oh, it's our people and our language. It's... Brass tax, bottom line, he's going for resources. Absolutely. He's going for, first of all, there is oil and gas there uh, to be had. There also is a strategic pipeline matrix that goes through Ukraine. So rather famously, um, in the past, you might recall that when uh, Germany, for example, or other countries, uh, displeased Russia, and they were dependent on Russian natural gas, Russia would just cut the gas Turn in the middle off. of the winter. Turn the valve off. Yeah, for a day or two or three to say, we're in charge. We're in control. You don't buck us at the UN or wherever. You do what we want. So, you know, being dependent, these countries kind of had no choice. 
And the, the uh, resource from Russia was running under Ukraine strategically. Mm. Yeah. So Ukraine is, is strategic to them also. Um, it is an agricultural state too. So in the old Soviet Union, that was their breadbasket. Yeah. So it's good to have that. Yeah, There's of a, there are a lot of reasons why. Mm -hmm. And it pushes you closer to NATO. Now you're Poland, on their border. Close to Poland. You, you're touching right. Poland now at this point. Yeah. So yeah. Russia is saying, I don't want NATO on my borders. He's pushing over to their border, essentially. So there are all these reasons why this is important. Now, when the fracking revolution came on in the U.S., and it only happened here, by the way, when it happened. Yeah, I was going to ask you, did any other country, because it was technolog technologically driven, yes. right? In Texas, right. driven. Right, right here. Right, and so, so I don't know, I don't know, I might be wrong, but did that occur in any other nation? Not fracking? at the time, not at first. And yeah. we tried, however. Later, sure, yeah. Yeah, so, so for example, back in 2013 or so, when the big shale fields were really um, proven up in Ukraine, there were people from Texas who went to Ukraine to say, let us give you our technology, our expertise. Mm -hmm. Let us help you. And that for more independence, correct? Yeah, of Russia. Yeah, and actually to free up some things for Europe because France, Italy, I mean, these are not oil and gas nations. Yeah. I mean, those pipelines. So you could really, I mean, the, the control, the strong armor on Europe f because of Russia and the pipelines. It's significant. It's huge. Yeah, it's really. And, and now all of a sudden, it touches all policy. Yeah, it's a because major when you lever. Sit in, yeah, it's 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 a m big stick. It's, it's yeah. like without oil and, oil and gas is to an economy what oxygen is to our bodies. You cannot live without it. You are reverting back to primitive times. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're, you're dialing back 400 years uh, in existence if you don't have oil and gas, like right away. There is no product you and I use that isn't either made from oil. Petroleum is in everything. It, it, rubber, everything. So, you know, this phone... This mic microphone, the television, um, pharmaceuticals, vinyls, plastics, everything is made from oil. Your glasses, yep. um, polyester in your clothing, the carpet, the paint, it's all made from oil. People don't realize they this. They don't know, though. Yeah. So even if you transition, this is, it's not even possible to transition the transportation sector from oil and gas to wind and solar because we don't have the rare earth minerals to even do that. But then you have to transition your... Um, electricity, which is another In, piece. Into, and a, into something to contain it, though. Correct. This is the problem with solar is we, even with Elon and anything that, you know, that they're doing, and it's good talk, but, but I know a little bit enough, and I've had enough time with some of our wind farm giants also, you know, and so we can't contain. So, okay, solar, how do I capture that energy? How do I make that a resource that can last me if I do capture X amounts of moles of light per day? How does this help me next month? Oh, it doesn't. Right. I have to use it today. Right. And everyone's talking about battery storage that's just around the corner, but they've been saying that for 15 years. Forever. Yeah. yeah. We don't have that right now. And we don't have the rare earth minerals to create those batteries. We don't have enough of any of the minerals. It's Even like more so, Jackie, though I'm from Africa, those rare earth minerals that do exist for a Tesla or someone to make a big leap in batteries, it's controlled by China. Absolutely. Yeah. We the, couldn't the even get our hands on it. <laughs> By now, we should understand supply chains and why they matter. Right. And so, yeah, moving to wind and solar makes us totally dependent on China, conveniently. A hundred percent. So, so and, and the math just isn't there. So I, people should really look into this. Um, like Texas Public Policy Foundation said last year, 
According to the EIA, Energy Information Administration, which is U.S. agency, um, if we took all of our battery storage right now and tried to run New York City on what we can store, we could run it for 45 minutes. That is all. That, that is, is it. That is our total collection after, of capacity. Yeah. After well, good tens luck. of billions of dollars invested, that's billions, what we have. Billions, yeah. billions. And not just that. Think about just where I go, how they lace, and I call it other policies, an infrastructure bill with a Green New Deal, and all of a sudden, it's all over. It's an education bills for crying. Anywhere they can slip it in to siphon money off into this, oh, it's around the corner. Meanwhile, Alaska has got oil reserves out the wazoo. We could go energy independent. I And I'm jumping around and reel me in here. But right now, isn't it? Do we not have an opportunity right now with good leadership to say, okay, Putin, you know what we're going to do? We're going to turn the valves way open in, in the U.S. Absolutely. Pipeline back, and we're going to go earn the European customers. Correct. We're going we're gonna to drain you from your customer base. We're going to make you obsolete. Even if you have oil, we're going to net export oil and gas and energy to the world. Let's go grab. This is like an opportunity for a customer grab, if you want to call them customers. But we're still buying oil from Russia. Yeah, no, this is the exact answer. Upping U.S. production, which is why I got into what I'm doing uh, back in 2013. This is the answer because it brings down all the revenues. I mean, war costs money, a lot of money. Putin needs uh, disposable income. He yeah. wouldn't have it. And this was a plan. What you're talking about to ramp up production was a plan that should have been in place 10 years ago. Yeah. This We're 10 years late. The fracking revolution came on and it should have been uh, what maximized an at the time. It was huge. It's still huge. Even right now, what, what should have happened is, first of all, Biden should never have reversed the Trump policies on energy. They could not be more polar opposite in any other category. And if shut you look down at the Keystone polls, Keystone Pipeline. And federal leasing, he shut off. Um, the big thing, and no one's talking about it really, is ESG investment criteria. So the Biden administration is all behind ESG, which is environmental social governance. In other words, are you woke? Yeah. If you're not woke, you don't get money. Uh, from Wall Street. And Wall Street imposed this before Biden did. Uh, largely. And they're imposing this on corporations even, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. They're cutting off all fund, not all, much funding to the oil patch here in America. They're killing American oil and gas by not giving them the money to operate because it's not green. That's what's happening. And that is the kill shot to American oil and gas more than anything else. But to I, our economy, though. To everything. Yes. That's why inflation is crazy. It's one reason why. And so- this was actually, um, you know, I used to worry about frack bans and and um, and pipeline protests. I still worry about them, but they're minor compared to ESG. So, for example, um, and I sent some links to you to that you can use with for we, your viewers. We're going to pull it up, yeah. Yeah, um, you will be able to see some investigations into Russian funding of the American anti-fracking protests, the anti-pipeline protests. You know, they're taking out their competition, which is the U.S. Their number one competitor, totally legal. Um, so they legal run because we created this lobby lobby class in this country, which I despise personally. It's abused. So Russia is saying, "Great, we'll work into your lobby system. We'll fund a lobby, and we'll go, we'll go, we'll go fund the demise of your your own infrastructure because that benefits us." And somehow, I I'm in the news cycle. I'm on the blaze. I'm here. I haven't heard ESG from anybody. Yeah. Nobody's yeah, no, talking no, about this. Nobody no in the news cycle is educating Americans saying, let's just explain that Russia is funding 
a campaign against American energy independence and somehow somebody is receiving those funds. Oh, there's huge money in it. That's why it's happening here. There are Americans selling out for this left and right. And some of them might sincerely believe they're doing the right thing. They might believe that we can actually transition to wind and solar and batteries uh, in two years or something. They might believe AOC. I don't know. But some of it is, um, so, so the Russian story was like money went into this firm in Bermuda. Okay. Okay. Run by people who are closely connected to the heads of Roshneft, the Russian oil company. And the money goes through Bermuda and then it goes to a big foundation and in California. And then it goes out to the environmental movement. There's a lot of movement. This is a U.S. Senate report that I sent to you um, back when David Vitter was running the Senate Committee on Environment and Public Works. And it was 2014 and an update to the 2004 Senate report on the billion plus dollars moving through the green movement that we can trace, that their two staffers had the time to and Russia. energy to trace. Well, not all of it was Russian. But, but some of it. Yeah. I mean, the, in other words, there was, I'll put it this way. I can't tell you because Vlad Putin would never be stupid enough to write a check to Greenpeace. Sure. Uh, he's much smarter than that. But what happened was Roshneft being the state-owned um, hydrocarbon, when I say that, I mean oil and gas. Um, there's Gazprom and there's Roshneft. Those are the two big Russian companies. So uh, people tied to the very top of Roshneft were, were in a firm in London. And that firm was the leadership of the Bermudan company that was accepting funds and then moving it into the U.S. environmental okay. movement. Yeah. So you can read about this in the studies, uh, in that Senate report. And so it goes through many hands. So it's impossible for me to shell tell to you. Shell to shell. Yeah. And this is what they do. Shell to shell company to, to an organization. And then finally, it gets distributed. Yeah. So, so therefore, I, can I tell you, Vlad wrote a check. No, he didn't do that. He would never do that. Uh, but I can tell you that money's coming from outside the United States offshore into the environmental movement. And that's a good way to disguise where it really comes from. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was reported here in the United States by the Free Beacon and others. And then... The U.S. Uh, House Committee on Science did an investigation asking the U.S. Treasury to join in to show, in fact, money that was coming from Russia to fund uh, anti-U.S. fossil fuel production. And so that was back in about 2017 or 2018, so more recent than before. And I really will tell you, I think most of this money is never traced. A lot of it we'll never know about. Um, it has moved around through so many hands. Once it's in country, too. I mean, but surely, Jackie, at some point, it's politicians or heads of corporations. Someone's benefiting from this. It's, oh, yeah. It's it's to buy opinion, to sway opinion. It's buying votes, really, is what it is. At the end of the day, it's like, hey, we're going in this direction. Sell out. It's buying, it, it's buying influence. Um, and, and the big banks get behind it because there is about $2 trillion dollars slated to be redistributed in the name of the energy transition and stopping climate change at the UN and all the way down to the member states. People want to get in line for that $2 trillion. Yeah. And so they want a piece. everybody, yeah, what, what bank all, is going to say behind, no? All behind climate change is so bad. And, and now all the names pop up, you know, all, all the regular all the regular characters that run with this now come to the forefront and, and they just hammer on that. But then I just juxtapose it with something you said 10 minutes ago. If all the battery storage power is aggregated, we can drive New York for 45 minutes. Yeah. There so, is no other solution. There's a reason it's why. It's a pipe dream. You can look around. I mean, look around. How much of the U.S. right now is being fueled or run just the electricity sector by renewables? The answer is single digits. Well, we had one opportunity last year to prove that that would work, and Texas had no power. 
Yeah, so when one when, ice storm and all of a sudden we we find out that some deal was struck and and we don't have power, but what but we're Texas. Texas is the worst. To be perfectly honest with you, we are in the worst position. We are the number one state in wind uh, production or wind build out. We were 15 years ahead of schedule in building it. Why? Because the state incentivized wealthy people to build it and get a tax benefit. And so did the feds. And so in Texas, we don't mandate things like California does. We incentivize. We, we give tax benefits to yep. wealthy investors uh, to do this. So Shazam, we get built out really fast. And we have a lot of wind here. This is the wind corridor. Yeah, we're flat. So it's a wind corridor, yeah. If ever wind would make sense, it would be here as far as getting the maximum amount of electricity off of the turbines. But what happened in the storm last year, perfect example, wind, which only produces about a third of the time anyway, mm-hmm. it produces when the wind blows at whatever speed the wind decides to blow, which we have no control over. Um, it collapsed in the storm down to 1.5% of its capacity. 1.5%. Whereas natural gas and nuclear and coal ramped up and those plants were running almost at 100% because you can dispatch them on and, demand. And we have reserves. And we have reserves. And we can build up reserves. You can't build up wind reserves. Right. Solar you, reserves. No. You can only build up coal reserves. You can, sure. You can, we have A so much natural asset. gas. That like The natural gas is right here beneath our feet. So it's right here to tap. Tap into it right away. Yeah. yeah. And then Texas did make some really embarrassing mistakes that no one wants to talk about, such as the regulator, when they had to roll the blackouts to parse out and ration energy, apparently cut the energy to the U.S. Permian Basin first. That is where we get a that, lot of That's our energy. what you do last. Yeah. It was, these are the, the silly mistakes that were made. So, so in Texas, prior to that, it was illegal to cut off energy in an emergency to hospitals, to fire stations, to sure. downtowns, but it was perfectly fine to shut down power to power plants in the middle of a storm when you need power. So so if, if, if natural gas had kept flowing through those lines, they never would have frozen, no. but they cut the power to them. And this is what happens when you electrify everything. In the name of transitioning to green energy, you electrify the oil patch. It wasn't electrified before the Obama administration. You actually... Use the natural gas there on site. To drive your operations, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. instead absolutely. of electrifying things. So so you could not have cut off the supply to yep. the oil patch back then. The regulator couldn't have done that because it wasn't electrified. They didn't have to rely on electricity. So these are the kinds of horrific mistakes that were made in the name of green policies. Um, and, and what's so upsetting about this is the U.S. has the cleanest air on Earth. On Earth. Among all, all the civilized the nations. nations. I mean, like... It, it, the economy is enormous. It's like grown in size, uh, doubled over time. Our population's exploded. Yet our um, pollutants, lead, ozone, particulate matter, the kind Greenhouse of air pollution gases. that kills, yeah. Yeah. has come down over 70%. All six federal pollutants since 1970. Some of them, lead is down over 90%. Um, we had the cleanest, as I said, particulate matter, which is the deadly form of, of pollution, only LA has a really bad situation because they share actually a pollution that comes over from Asia, hits our West Coast. But the rest of America, because of innovation, is so clean. Our air is so clean. But the narrative in the marketplace, though, is that we're the bad guy. What they're telling our public is that we're, the, we're terrible. We're bad. They're shaming people for, you know, even you go buy a pickup truck today. It's like, oh, it, you dr- drive battery powered. I got nothing against battery power. I feel like that, like I feel about vaccines. You want it, take it. No, I agree. I'm not you know, anti-electric car either. Right, you, but, but it's not a solution no. to, to 
to take oil and gas and make oil and gas the bad guy who helped build this whole country's infrastructure. I mean, we've built a lot of what we have today, even in this room. It's it's we, we should be so thankful for this God-given resource. And I right. think, my opinion, and correct me, we're stewarding it well. We are, because uh, imagine this. We have lowered our carbon emissions, if that's important to people, more than any other country by far. And that is because the fracking revolution happened here. Fracked natural gas replaced coal in the grid feed because it became so plentiful. Mm -hmm. It was cheaper. And it's clean. It has nothing to do with the mandate. The government didn't force this. This technology did this. Yeah. Yeah. So we can get it out so cheaply, burn it so cleanly, and therefore our emissions are down far more than Germany's. Far more than all these countries that try to shame us at the UN, which is just ridiculous. And then comes China, the <laughs> highest polluter. They have no responsibility. You look at those Winter Olympics, the pollution. I mean, they would, they literally would not let cameramen shoot wide-angle shots because you can't see. I mean, it's insane. They're so irresponsible. And I remember a president that just said, wait a minute, hold on. Look at this just at face value. We're really doing well. We're leading the world in these initiatives. Don't penalize the industry that's helped us build most of our infrastructure here that we that we rely on every day it's, it's so you know i always laugh it's so hypocritical someone will stand with a starbucks cup in their hand or a plastic cup in their hand talking green energy green energy not even knowing the shoes they have on their feet comes from petroleum i mean yeah. it's just it's it's an it's an ill-educated general populace on the importance of oil and gas it is and you take like you know they think that like germany is the leader because they built out all this uh, wind and solar which is true. Germany jumped in headfirst back in 2005 or so when it was really primitive and expensive, far more expensive than now. You got far less electricity from it. Here is the story on Germany, which is very relevant to what's happening with this war right now. So Germany had a leader, Gerard Schroeder, who basically plunged Germany headfirst into all this renewable transition. <clears throat> Makes them, therefore, dependent on Russia because there was no way that wind and solar was going to power Germany. It's the biggest, it's the leader of the EU. I mean, it has a huge economy. Yeah. There was no way. So now that they're nice and dependent on Russia, guess what? Gerard Schroeder goes to Russia and becomes chairman of the board of Rosneft, the Russian oil company. Of course. After making Germany dependent on Russia. and Probably with a huge payout, huge oh, benefits, stock options, the whole deal. I can only imagine. Self-enrichment. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, it's just, and I'm sure he, and he, he can virtue signal and claim he's moral for what he's done to save Germany from you know, uh, being a contributor to climate change. No, Germany's emissions are worse no, than the no, US. He, he handed his country over Correct. to a dictator and gave them the keys and then joined the team. And then joined the team. Openly, this is not a secret. Anyone can, can check this out. It's, it's all over the, the news. So this is not a secret. That's called uh, a sellout. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how else to view it. Sell your people and out, and which is what I think is happening here. I can't, again, I look at opportunities. I, I, I considered COVID a great opportunity in the faith movement for the church to step and say, come on, guys, point to God, point to hope, point, you know. I, I looked at the medical community through COVID and say, this is a great moment of truth. Tell people obesity is not good for you. Diabetes is, come on, get healthy, eat healthy, nothing. I thought it was a great moment for big sugar corporations to go, look, let's be responsible. Nothing. There was no messaging on how to live healthy, exercise, none. And here comes another opportunity. I see Russia, Ukraine. It's an opportunity for the U.S. to say, okay, let's create some balance on earth again, which America is not the world's big brother, but we are 
we make the playground fair when we engage accurately i believe that the bullies can't run around on the playground to do whatever they want to do through mechanisms like well and gas again we're missing the opportunity it's a huge missed opportunity like like biden should have run to the microphone and said okay starting right now as soon as russia lined up on the border like yes. we can see they're serious pre even pre even crossing over yeah just okay if, if that's going to happen okay here's what i do now Today, starting today, we reverse all of the cancellations and pipelines because Keystone is just one of yeah. many, yeah. of so many. We're going to be permitting pipelines, LNG uh, plants to export our natural gas. We're going to lift the restrictions on federal land, any moratorium on fracking. We're going to start, again, giving those permits on federal land to drill. We're going to go full steam ahead in U.S. production, hit the accelerator, no ESG policies over the SEC and the Department of Labor and everywhere else where we're shoving this down people's throats. We're done with that. This would have immediately, immediately said to Russia, my revenues are about to tank. I can't US afford a war. Yeah, I, I cannot I afford a war. How long? And uh, now let me give you the, yes, that, that's the best we can do. And it would have been a lot. It would have been great 10 years ago, actually. If, if they would be broke by now. There would be no war. Um, I'll tell you this. February 4th, Russia signed a massive deal with China to sell them natural gas for 30 years. Okay, well, that's all they needed to finance whatever it is they want Absolutely. to do. Absolutely. So before that, we had a lot more leverage. But this was China saying, we've got your back. Because mm -hmm. China needs it, genuinely yeah, yeah, needs yeah. a ton of fossil fuels but to they don't fund have that it. economy. They, they don't have uh, that. They don't have that. They, you yeah. know, they, they want... They've got a lot. They will corner... Uh, China's a very smart, strategic nation. I mean, watch, look mm -hmm. at what they've done everywhere. They're going to corner everything they can. And why not corner Russian natural gas so others can't get to it and have it? Lock it in long term at a guaranteed price. So that really hurt um, our ability to harm Russia. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try to bring the prices down. We can still do that. But they have um, a big customer, the one of the largest customers in the world. Now, let me ask you something that, and again, as a South African, 1994, we all had to serve in the military and there's huge things happening. Uh, you know, Nelson Mandela comes out of prison. There's a big change from apartheid to the Rainbow Nation. I lived that. That was my, I lived that. Right? I was right there, literally training the whole deal. Fast forward to Cyril Ramaphosa, the current president, and, and Jacob Zuma right before him, they sign on to the BRICS coalition. Right? So Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. There's a coalition there. I never hear anybody talk about that. The relationship between Russia and, 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 and China is very strong, just to support your point. Th those two superpowers together, and then a, and a weakened America, with, and we're only weak when we have weak leadership. Yeah. Because we have everything else. I mean, technology, and, and we're not, we're, where we are not the leader in technology, maybe Israel is leading, and that's a great ally. Yeah. Well, this administration is alienating that ally. And so when we're weak in leadership, whether it's left or right side of the aisle, it doesn't matter, just weak leadership, we are really vulnerable because two other huge superpowers are very interwoven. Is that fair? I mean, it's, it's super fair. And, uh, you know, China has the manufacturing and the people. Russia has the fossil fuels that they need. And China has their own, by the way. And it, I, I think what's important to tie all this together is the Biden family. Uh, particularly Hunter Biden, was, as you know, in these very lucrative deals with Burisma in Ukraine, which is an, uh, a hydrocarbon company. Again, when I say hydrocarbon, I mean oil and gas, one or gas. one or the other. And same in China. Had a massive deal. And so did Biden's brother in China with their oil and gas company. So here's what happens. The Biden family 
aids and abets and boosts foreign oil and wars against American oil. How convenient. Whose side are they on? I mean, to me, this is so obvious. It but feels like the former German president that's willing right, to sell out Schroeder. a nation and then join the other team or is already on the or on the take for sure. We know Hunter, Parisma. I mean, it's there. And it's just gotten so little traction with the general American people to understand how nefarious that actually is. It's I'm saying this for me. I'm not speaking for you. It feels like betrayal. It's betrayal you oh, know, sure. for me because I look at it this way, Jackie. Anybody who's in a place of, and for me, it all comes back to my faith. So if God selects somebody and appoints somebody, even if it's a school teacher, when you walk into that classroom today, you have a responsibility to steward the power, the voice, the platform you have really well. We all need to take self-accountability again in this country and go, what am I a steward over? My children, my school board, whatever. I can build, boil it all back down to stewardship. And when you're a leader of this country or a senator, or a congressman, or an elected official, I feel like that notion is way in the rearview mirror that, look, I'm stewarding the voice of the masses, the people. And so what is their voice? Because that's not our voice. I think if you pull General America and say, hey, break it down to brass tacks, do you want to give Russia more power so we buy their energy? Or do you think we should have our own and sell it? I think the general American on those terms driving to Omaha, Nebraska and go, oh, heck no, we're not going to buy. Who would do that? Let me give you a shocking figure that I saw yesterday tweeted out by the American Petroleum Institute. Um, they found, they did a poll and they found that even 90% of Democrats prefer that we use our oil over Russian oil. 90 90%. 90% of Democrats agreed. So they had to have asked the question just right. The sure. question was not, would you prefer Russian solar, does that exist, um, over uh, American oil and gas? The question was, would you prefer foreign oil to American oil? And I mean, every president since Nixon has promised to get off of foreign oil and never done it. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, they all failed. Um, after the fracking revolution, there's no excuse. Uh, after yeah, about right. 2012, there's no excuse. I could for understand that. maybe before, hey, we just can't frack, we can't get in. But after that revolution, it's wide open. Yeah, there's, and, it's, and yeah. it's cheaper too. Yes, we yeah. it's it's as cheap here as you can get anywhere. Yeah, so it's a no-brainer. And um, I think that the problem is that people don't understand the true options, and that is the true option. Our fossil fuels are someone else's. It's not some magical, mystical fuel that's not yet been invented. That's not a realistic talking point. And that's what we're all talking about. An energy transition to something other than fossil fuels, we don't have that. Charging stations on the side of every house. And I, I hear the most ridiculous conversation. Look, it's just common sense that when I hear somebody stand at a forum, and these are well-known folks, right? The celebrities of that, of that industry. And they talk talks like, oh, every 10 miles is going to have a charging station. I, just logic. Good luck. <laughs> Even just the implementation of that. We don't have restrooms on our highways every every 10 miles this is insane this is it's, it's like it's it's a it's a it's a notion that shouldn't even get 10 minutes of our attention no so you heard the state of the union not one word about ramping up u.s energy production which is the one answer that we have especially it's a peaceful answer we don't have to go to war for this which is amazing instead he talked about building 500,000 new charging stations for electric vehicles by 2030 I know. and when jen Psaki is asked why don't you complete the pipeline she says, listen, that would take too long. 
what, compared to 2030, 500,000 um, charging stations? Let's, let's drive up the road to Fleur Exploration and say, hey, Fleur, can you finish the pipeline? They're probably going to tell you, yeah, 24 months, we're done. Less. Yeah. Less. I mean, because, you know, uh, like Keystone and Dakota Access Pipeline, these were pipelines that were mostly completed. They were like, oh, I think one of them was over 90% complete when they shut it down. I mean, we're and talking all the about money sunken into it. That's just huge, like what? We, that's just a wash now all of a sudden. Yeah. What business owner would ever do that? Like Again. just a small business owner would go, I've invested. And you know what? I just changed my mind this morning because I'm going to believe some propaganda. So forget about all that investment. I'm just going to go flip and someone else should come fit the bill. Oh, the taxpayer, right? Yeah. It's insane. They punish so badly people who have sunk these costs in, put in the time and energy and money because they want no one else to come behind them and do it again. This is all to the advantage of the Gulf states or the OPEC states plus Russia or whoever is selling oil and gas and competing against us. It's to their advantage, which is why I did some investigation into who was pushing out the ESG stuff I was talking about earlier. You know, sitting on the boards of these big um, organizations that are all about ESG are the Gulf states. The, on our the, boards. Uh, the, the board, well, no, international, international boards, okay, uh, boards okay, that yeah. are pushing financial institutions sure. to go for ESG sure. worldwide. If you look at people who are sitting on the boards of these organizations, I guess they're nonprofits and NGOs kind of things. Yeah. They're worldwide. It's the Gulf states. It's our competition. Because Why they are to have, benefit from this. Absolutely. Because yeah. because the activism only works in free countries where you have a First Amendment, where you can protest, where you can write, where you can speak, where you can pressure and where you can vote for these green policies you've now been persuaded are so great. These policies are no threat to Riyadh, to Tehran, to the UAE, to Qatar, to Russia. They don't care I what always, a bank wants, right? They don't care. I mean, uh, Putin is worth 40 billion. He can finance this stuff himself. Yeah. And when there's no competition left, who cares? So, so I mean, I would love to see um, Greenpeace go to Riyadh. I was, I always and, said, uh, I always said, why is Greta? Remember Greta? Yeah. Why is Greta not speaking in Riyadh? Why is she not that speaking in Saudi? Why is Greta not speaking? I would respect her no, a lot she, more. No, she came to the U.S. because right. there's a lobby class and there's a free free society and you can vote and you can sell vapor. There's you money can to actually, be made. You know, there's, there's money, money to, to be made. made. You know something? Here's the here's the sad piece. I've always believed my whole life that the American way, which is individual rights given to you from God, so government can't take them. All the things that we believe are consistent with human nature. So where you empower the individual to be free and to prosper by their own hands, rather than having to uh, work and give it all to the government, right? They work harder for themselves and for their families and to build their Absolutely. businesses and their own homes and um, property rights. So all of that makes this great result, which is why we were the superpower. That's why we were first. However, uh, it now occurs to me there is another part of human nature that the communists got right. And we're watching it right now. And that is the capitalist, the amoral capitalist, okay? Not the educated Christian conservative capitalist. Yeah, the amoral capitalist. The amoral transactional capitalist will sell you the rope that you will use to hang him. We've heard that a million times. Mm -hmm. And they didn't say amoral. I inserted that. But yes. that's what it is. There are people who are transactional. Our business schools have have um, not, purposefully purp yeah. purposefully taught them to be amoral. Taught them it is not to question the the morals of the transaction. The only question is how do I maximize returns for myself? The transaction, not the yeah. impact of the transaction, and how it how it affects culture. 
and I and I that's an amazing explanation because that's how I feel. It's it's like just the deal. Do the transaction, okay? But this is a terrible transaction for our nation, for our children, for our future, for our independence, for our economic and and safety stability. Forget about that. Just do the transaction, and that's selling the rope that yeah. then gets turned on. Yeah. On us. Yeah. And what's interesting is I'm, I've been in the conservative world and the libertarian world. I lean heavily libertarian all of my yeah. life, um, but I wouldn't call myself a libertarian. If you get to know my friends in that circle, they, they, they pride themselves on being amoral. They went to the law and economic school at the University of Chicago or whatever. It's not a moral question. It's about maximizing transactions. The ESG movement claims to be the counter to that. Like we no longer can just think about money in dollars and cents. We have to care about the environment. We have to care about diversity on corporate boards. We have to care about good governance and, and transparency. Generally speaking, all of that is very good. You and I would both want a clean environment. Yep, absolutely. We both want diversity on boards in the sense, I mean, if you're, if you're a company and you're selling to the world, you better know what the world wants. So you better have people who represent the world. Absolutely. On the board. So all these things are, are good. They sound great in the abstract. But in real life, what ESG becomes is number one, a way to destroy US fossil fuels and superpower status, uh, benefiting everyone else who do things like, you know, uh, fund wars and terrorism. That's our competition. And then it, it really is a social credit system is what it is. It it's is that a woke, social credit score, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a way to control. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't do what the regime narrative says you, you should do, We'll catch your capital. We'll freeze your bank account. But by definition, ESG then is virtue signaling. It's it's a virtue yeah. signal because yeah, of course it, I can say it's biblical. Heck, Genesis one through six, you know, steward what I gave you. Well, be a good steward of the environment, of the resources. Adam, go name the ad, but you're stewarding over this. We are to steward over this. But but if we don't have a healthy balance between between capitalism and a and moral capitalism to where it's not just moral about the environment but the impact we have because people have no clue that what oil and gas does for the education system right what offshore drilling is doing to fund education in texas every school district in texas billions and texas billions of dollars oh yeah this is in a bad year it's like 200 million dollars to the university of texas You're right. for oil and gas revenues in a bad year and if it wasn't there then it's all transferred onto the student or the family and you couldn't afford and you couldn't have education. So this is such a layered conversation to just flippantly go, you know what? All things solar, all things clean energy, green energy, and, and, and you know, we need to be responsible. We are being responsible. Yes, very responsible. I mean, the, the production of U.S. oil and gas is some of the, the cleanest fossil fuel production on Earth. Maybe Canada can rival us in cleanliness, but... What you'd rather you'd rather instead buy Russian and Venezuelan and, and Nigerian oil? I mean, in, there's no EPA. No, but the in, hypocrisy in, though is so crazy. If we just think gold for a minute, because I'm from South Africa, my my brothers in the gold business and they mine. They've got technology to mine gold. They can't sell gold to the U.S. All their gold's bought by China. Um, you know how hard yeah. it is for 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 Rand Gold and Gold One in South Africa to sell into the U.S. market because traceability, blood diamonds, blood gold. But then we turn around and we buy Russian oil. Yeah, right. You know, this is this is what happens. Like, like what are we talking about here? They'll take one part, of, one puzzle piece, and apply it to the policy, forgetting what's going to be the obvious consequence if you the, do the moral this. conversation within that transaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. No. So, I mean, here we are. Uh, I remember our, our founders used to write that our republic is only fit for a moral and educated citizenry. And if we fail to have a moral and educated citizenry, we fall. Mm-hmm. And some of them said a Christian and educated citizenry. I'd argue that too, because because where's center? Where's absolute truth? Because and now we're in culture, and I want to dive into that a little bit with you, because I've gotten to know a lot of oil and gas guys. I live in Texas, and you can't. I mean, you walk to 7-Eleven, you're going to meet some oil and gas guys. Yeah. This is just what it is. My experience, yes, like any other industry, I've met people that I wouldn't want to be befriend. But in general, for the most part, overwhelmingly, these are amazing human beings that, that if you look at what they do, in addition to, oh, he's an oil man, they're the ones typically that's reforming inner cities. That's investing in parks. That's talking about school reform. I mean, they. This is a cultural thing that you just go. It's evil and it's bad, without really even knowing what you. And I'm saying something gross. I don't even know that the current president of the United States has any clue what he talks about, or some of the big Green New Deal, you know, AOCs to really even have taken a minute to understand when you kill that industry. You'll go back hundreds of years on every level, not just gas in your tank, just everything. The notion, there was one thing one day, every kid deserves a laptop. I go, oh, so you want oil and gas? Yeah. No, we hate oil and gas, but every kid deserves a laptop. It's just got to magically appear from somewhere. Right. How is that going to happen? I mean, they have the no idea what they're talking about. Zero. They have no idea what they're talking about. They, they think they flip a switch. They don't know where that power comes from. They don't know. It mostly comes from coal and natural gas. I mean, they, there's no. I, I listen to AOC and Kamala Harris, and I just realized they have no idea what they're talking about. It's terrifying that we would send Kamala Harris to Europe to speak on our behalf to in the middle this of nation. yeah, in the middle in of, of a war. war. I, I, it's terrifying, and so, and I'm not being partisan here. I've seen some Republicans who are pretty scary too. Yes, of course. Who don't get it? Um, I would almost say you'd have to go back to George Herbert Walker Bush to find a president who did understand oil. Even yeah. though I don't agree with a lot of his policies. But, but he I, was an oil man, at he least. Was, he was an oil yeah. man. He got yeah. it. And he understood the international implications. But it was a different world under him. As yeah. I said, we didn't have the options we have now. And so we are, we are as strong in this country as our weakest link at the leadership level. When the Biden family has taken millions of dollars from hostile countries in fossil fuel deals and war against our own, I've lost complete confidence and trust and faith. I, they are not America first. Um, they are not freedom first. By action. And I can judge action. I'm not the judge. God's the judge. But God says I can judge fruit. And people should judge my fruit. How I walk is what the heart's filled with, the mouth runs over with. And so I can just judge actions. And I, and I can't see that that's America first. I no. can't. There's nothing that tells me the American people comes first. Our well-being. Real issues like inner city Chicago. Real issues. I mean... When we stimulate our economy, when we lower inflation, when we give a mom extension on her paycheck, all of a sudden she can put more food on the table. It touches real Americans. And this is where it makes me, I get real upset, furious. When, when a mom, sh- I was raised by a single mom. When a mom shows up and all of a sudden, hey kids, because I've had this conversation in my life and not many people do, but listen, we got to scale back on literally what we eat. We got to scale back on how we do life, on where we drive. Hey, we got to ration out. We can only drive so many miles this week, right? That's real yeah. to Americans. And when you have hyperinflation, 
five, six, seven dollars at the gas tank per gallon, okay, you're you're negatively impacting your own people's life. This is like a king that's irresponsible that feeds people inside the castle, but the peasants can can die. This Let is how I cake. feel. Let them eat cake. I mean, this yeah. is for the, for the for a working class family like mine was growing up. You know, we had to choose: are we going to pay the electric bill, or are we going to put brakes on the car? Yes, that it badly needs. Or are you going to get a pair of shoes for school this year? Like, mm-hmm. These are the choices that yeah. American families make today. Today and back then, and and uh, to have your electricity bill go up, you know, thirty percent because we're paying for renewables in the electric bill and in the tax bill. It's all hidden uh, from you. Or to have your gasoline prices go up by 800 bucks a year. Or as I saw yesterday, wheat futures are up 5%. Wheat, corn, and soybean are skyrocketing right now. Oh, and that's so a conversation. The worst of it. And that's a conversation I want to have with you because it's no mistake that we got Bill Gates buying 2.4 million acres of farmland all over the place and, and, it, and it's in wheat producing. I, I've said for a while, me, watch food. Watch what's going to happen with food. I mean, the prices are going to skyrocket. And if, if you can't eat, now we're talking, now it's getting serious. I it's mean, getting you, very serious. Yeah. You better be able, my advice to everyone, frankly, you better be able to hunt. You better be able to fish. You better be able to garden. I grew up in Appalachia. I grew up in yeah. Appalachia. We always had a freezer full of game because yes. it supplemented the food bill. Yep. And a lot of people live like that. Still do. Um, we all fished and we had a big garden, both grandparents. We heated our house with wood in a fire, both grandparents and my parents. That's how people back home survived. And we didn't consider ourselves poor. We didn't wonder where the next meal was coming from. It's just a way of life. This just is the way what we, we lived. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, people you know, talk about this and I'm like, hey, my grandparents could survive. Mm-hmm. We had canned food in a big a big utility room full of canned food. It looked like a, a store. Oh, my gosh. My grandma would line me and all my friends up for a week at a time and go, we're jarring. Yeah. We're canning. We're, we're pickling. We're beans. Yep. Those are my earliest memories. <laughs> That's all we would you do. Know, like <laughs> Indian style in the floor, snapping beans <laughs> for hours. I was so bored. I'm like two years old, three years my old. My friends would ask me, are we going to your grandma's? I go, yeah. They go, oh, no. <laughs> this... Yeah, this is kind of. I another same here. I mean, yeah, and we're not that old. So this was no. like not that long ago that Americans could survive, um, even but, if bad but times. But can came. they today? Though we're yeah, so right. dependent on the fast food, instant drive-through. This is, you know, I always say Satan cannot create. He's not creative. He imitates, right? So God does want us to be awake, to be situationally aware. They go and say, no, be woke. A whole different definition, a complete bastardized version of what it really would be. I do want people to respectfully wake up in this nation and go, wait a minute. We have to think yeah. down the line. Yeah. These actions have ramifications. Are we prepared or don't make take, take these actions? And so, because it's some of the stuff is reckless. I mean, it's so reckless. The wokeness is not, the woke movement is not fit to survive. It is a house of cards. Most of it is built on lies. Perfect example is ESG finance. For example, let me give you one to take away. There's a guy named Tariq Fancy. That's his real name. He was a top executive at BlackRock, which is like you know one of the biggest ESG purveyors and, in, and in the world. One of the largest, if not the largest, hedge fund. Correct. In, I mean, in, yeah. I mean, I mean VC so much firm in the world. Yeah. Massive financier, very powerful. Yeah. And so he left there, and he's telling the world now in the Wall Street Journal and everywhere, hey, ESG basically is a scam. What's happening here is you're paying, millennial, three times the fees for the ESG fund. 
because that's how they make their money to make you feel good about yeah. your green, your diverse, your all these things. And he says, it's actually not true. It's actually not real. It's, it's a placebo. It's meant to make you think you're, you're solving global warming, but you're not. And by the way, if you haven't seen it, check out Michael Moore's documentary, Planet of the Humans. I, it's the only Michael Moore documentary I will ever recommend. I watched it three times. <laughs> because, I all these, notes. because all these other stuff is way uh, off. Yeah, yeah, don't watch the rest of it. Yeah. But Planet of the Humans, Michael Moore is a true, convinced, convicted environmentalist. Yeah. And he tried to document the transition. How are we going to do this from, from uh, fossil fuels and nuclear to green energy? And what he found out is it's a big scam. And he tells you in the documentary. My thesis is, or his, his, his person who's in the film, the thesis is the, the environmental movement is thoroughly hijacked by corporate America. And it's a big PR campaign to make you believe we're solving a problem. And he exposes the truth and the real math. And I mean, it is riveting. I watched it. It's, it's a long film. And YouTube, watch it. No, go YouTube watch. No, it's time. No, you know, it's time that we watch a long podcast. And there's a reason Joe Rogan's successful. People yeah. want meat today. Right. Dive in, do research, proof and verify. Heck, you know, have multiple sources. But it's time for the American again to go do a little work. Right. Go dig a little bit again for yourself and not just trust something. And even for us, everything we're saying on the show, go dig in. But I want to just quickly, this war. There's so much. Of, I was talking to Glenn back the other day. I said, Glenn, everything I know, the art of war is right there. That This is not how you do war. What, what, what Putin is doing at the moment, this is not, if it was just about land and territory and just dominance, like those people are going to become my servants. I'm going to take over that territory, like the French Revolution, like the Brits colonized all over the world. This is not how you do that. Not in modern-day warfare with everything they have. That war, if it was truly that, it's 48 hours and it should be over. So something is very amiss. And what I'm hearing from you, the underlying driving thing, it's, it's, it's energy and it's power through energy. What energy affords those who control the energy, what it affords you to do on Earth. And it's not like he's fighting for wind farms. I'm not hearing that. <laughs> No, he's not no. taking a nation. He's not coming for Tesla's mega factory. No, he's not. He's going for fossils. Yeah. And and agricultural land, too, I think, sure. is a benefit to of him. Of course. Uh, and having that territory right up next to NATO is a benefit. That's strategic. So That's yeah, strategic. All yeah. of it's strategic. But yes, no, for him, fossil fuels are the end game. Um, he, his budget relies on there being an oil price that is very high, a natural gas price that is very high, or else Russia can't make its, its payments. It, it defaults. It dies. So he has no choice but to, you know, in, in the past, throughout our entire lifetime, all that he had to do, all that Russia had to do or that, that, that uh, OPEC state had to do to raise the price of oil, to make their budget and line their pocket, was start a war. All you had to do was go to war against an energy to producing some is, nation. To some, war is very beneficial. It's very profitable because you're, you're knocking oil offline. If you can knock Iraq offline, the second largest producer in OPEC when times are good, Man, well, prices go up. Well, it's funny and that so many wars are in the Middle East. It's, so, it's amazing. It's so now, funny, right? Such a strategic piece of land. It's just sand, right? What are we doing here? Um, yeah, it's, it's all about producing oil and natural gas. And if you can just start a civil war um, or knock off Unrest. some- Yeah, any way that you can, you can gin up warfare and arm a country, you know, uh, please hit some militant doctrines and, and up the game in terms of militancy and, and propaganda pushed out. 
This is how they made their money. And this, this is, is why they'll fund, fund both sides of the war. Absolutely, yeah. They'll, why not? Fund, they'll fund both sides. It doesn't yeah. matter who, as long as an oil-producing nation gets knocked offline, the price skyrockets in our entire lifetime. And this changed with the fracking revolution because everything that got knocked off, the U.S. would put back on. And so this is the problem for them. And so one, one This time, is why I say we, we, we make the playground fair. We knock the bullies off the playground. Yeah. But when we don't engage... The insane run the asylum. It's like it's uh, going to take over and you're going to have war. And it's almost, I, I, I hate that I said this. Sometimes I say things and I go, I, I don't even want to speak this into existence. But the morning after the election, I said, we will go to war. We're going to go to war because this is just how they operate. Historically, they have to. When I look at the George Soros and these guys of the world, the, they are involved in turmoil or they'll create turmoil in those strategic areas. And historically, yeah. it's around fossil fuels. Right, for for the fossil fuel, for the petro state, it's very clear that war is profitable. And then for some people, it's getting scarier all the time. They think that the world needs to reduce its population by 90% right. or else climate change is going to, I don't know what, hurt humans when, what are you gonna have to do? Get rid of 90% of humans to maintain what they think is the proper stasis of the planet? That's scary. That's, That's not just stuff. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, and, so, then, and then thinking that some of those people that believe that actually has mechanisms like nuclear power to do serious big, big harm to a population or, or and this people may say it's conspiracy, but it's not, introduce things into food groups and food sources. I'm from Africa again. I've seen some very, very shady stuff. That is all within humankind's, that is perfectly within humankind's abilities. And where... Mankind has a tool or a weapon, he will use it. Eventually it will fall into the wrong hands and someone will use it. It's just a matter of time. I don't spend a lot of time worrying about someone releasing a virus or something over which I have no control. Yeah, you sure. know, I live my life and try to enjoy it uh, mm -hmm. and make the most of every day and, and advance the ball a little uh, to make the world better. Um, but yes, we should be aware that these narratives that sound good have layers to them. And we need to pay attention. You know, are, are we really making an argument for depopulation when we're talking about climate change? Because that's getting dangerous. Very dangerous. Yeah. And are we making an argument for more government control? I mean, any, I'll put it this way. I, I pick my political party this way. I am in favor of whatever decentralizes power. Yes. To states and local governments and individuals. And, um, and that means lower taxes and lower regulation uh, because that's, less dangerous. Only governments wage war and commit mass murder and commit genocides. Only governments. That's right. What individual is capable of that? You know, on their own. And so you have to have the state or, apparatus. Or, or has the appetite to do that. But when the state apparatus drives a certain narrative, you could have some individuals on their own enact on that narrative and do damage to some communities. But I would argue it's driven by that apparatus. If you go around saying there's too many people on the planet, right? You could have some wing nut over there go do some damage. Right. But no individual is going to drum up or has the appetite. People want to take care of their families. Yeah. They want to, they want to move forward. They want opportunity. I, I've been around the world. So have you. People want opportunity. That's why, you know, hope deferred makes the heart sick. People will say, well, there's so many countries that don't like America. No, it's hope deferred. If you really go to the core, they envy the United States. They envy freedom. And, and you just hang a lo uh, long enough under tyranny 
and it'll turn to bitterness at some areas. They'll become bitter because they envy it. But there's a reason we are the freest nation on earth. But we're squandering. I'm an immigrant. I can tell you something. I've lived in Canada, Africa, Europe. This is the greatest place on earth. Pick any of the 50 states for that matter. Even our worst states. And there's some states that are not good. It's still better than other countries, right? Now, you come to Texas, and we better defend Texas. I mean, before we close, just... The, the need, I want to hear from you, your thoughts on, well, of course, oil and gas production, Texas is so pivotal. But I think Texas just as a whole, people say, well, what makes Texas beautiful it's so flat? I say the people. Yeah. The people, the mindset, the patriotism, the true, the, the, the true you know, it's like we're American. And it, is, it means something to say I'm Texan. Right. I'm from South Africa, but I'm Texan. Right. Texas an is an ideal. It is. America is too. And, yes. But the Texans have the greatest sense I think in all the country, uh, because probably because once they were, we were our own republic. Yes, this was its own country. Absolutely. And so uh, there's still this big belief in sovereignty uh, and federalism, which means yes, we belong to the federal government, but we are a sovereign state. And so um, there's an identity here, a very proud one, and you have to have that to survive these days. Otherwise, you will be overrun by, and, and led by the wind. You know, just just uh, no anchor. And so Texas, it has that North Star, mm-hmm. and it's about freedom, and it's about maximizing the individual's choices, even if they're bad choices. Even if they don't agree with me. Yeah. I can't be a hypocrite and say, well, because someone doesn't agree with me, they should have choice. No, that's another form of you know, Machiavellian d- dictatorship. No, it's individuals, but there is an ideal. And I, again, for me, I take it all back to Scripture, and I just go, when you don't have identity and you don't have purpose, someone will come give you one. That's right. That's right. right. That will be filled by something. Something's going to fill it. It's yeah. not just going to be this black hole. And this is how we see people being willing to line up and burn cities down. Yeah. Burn their own communities down. And the next day go, well, where's my food going to come from? Yeah, right. maybe you should have thought about that for a minute. No sense of history, too, yeah, which exactly. is the, a, a hallmark signature trait of people yeah. who behave that way. Yeah. And freedom is fought for, died for, someone paid. It's an honor to wake up free. It's, it's, it's like we're here for other people to contribute to society. You do that on so many different levels, uh, Jackie. You're amazing. Your family, you've got an incredible family, husband. I mean, just the work you do. Thank how do you. we? How do we as a as a as a tribe? How do we support you? Where do we go to find out more about you? The show. Just help me out here. What do we? So you can find do? me at JackieDaily.com. That's Jackie with no e. Daily is an everyday dot com. You can find me on Twitter at Jackie Daily Host, and uh, on Facebook and on Instagram too. I'm podcast everywhere, right? iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, others. So I'm easy to find. You can just Google Jackie Daly Show and I come right up. Um, But yeah, share the message because what I'm trying to do, I mean, my show is a pro-freedom show and it is about explaining why what we believe is really the key, more than what we have, more than our resources. If your ideas are correct, you'll always come out on top with the resources. Uh, and, and more than that, more than what you have, what you are. Do you live a, a successful life? Are you a fulfilled and happy person? That is not a goal in some countries. The leadership doesn't care about yeah, the happiness absolutely. or fulfillment uh, or, or maximization of the potential of their people. We care about that. And I tell you this, I, I want to I say something maybe unexpected, which is please pray. Pray for Vladimir Putin. Yeah. For President G, yeah, for for the jihadists, for a conviction 
in the conscience, in the heart. I, I, imagine if you could somehow convert a Putin, a Putin, Absolutely. to saying, to saying, yeah, I believe that human beings have intrinsic value simply by virtue of the fact they have the imago dei, right? They're created in the image, mm-hmm. just because. And and but we're looking at we're looking at Saul becoming Paul. God yeah. looking at Saul going, that's my guy. If we can convert that one, if we can, this is why he says, if you look warm, I'll spew you out. This is, we, I our te- teach our team, pray for the predators that abuse children to have a holy fire conviction today. That's what we're supposed to do, and God can do it. Absolutely. There's, there's nothing impossible But here. we must step into that gap. Yeah, and it's, it don't, don't feel the anger, don't feel the resentment, don't. You know, um, you, it's really hard to maintain your buoyancy when you're watching the news. Sometimes I can't peel myself away from the news. You should. Um, but really, we're called upon to love our enemies. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. If, it's, if it's not hard, you're not doing it right. But you know? that is the love of Christ. I, hey, I, praise God he loved me and, and included me on his sacrifice because I didn't deserve it. So I think always we need to say, well, they don't deserve it, nor did I. Yeah, imagine I, your worst moments put up on a, on a screen for all the world to see and then ask yourself, do I deserve it? You know? And mm-hmm. so I think, I guess I feel like saying this is what's missing in a lot of our talk uh, because I, you know, I don't try to demonize people, but I will call it like I see it. You know, truth, uh, is, truth is truth. Yeah. But we still can come at it with love and real solutions. And you're solution driven. What, yeah, what you're right. doing here today is you're saying, guys, listen. There's a solution in our grasp. It's not even hard. Right. No. Just get out of the way. It's not hard. I didn't just get out of the way. We don't even have huh. to go start a new industry. No. It's Actually, all the here. industry has been has been has been pressed down. They're just saying we can fix this in a minute, even if only to make Putin stop for a second and just think. Um, this is dangerous for me to proceed on this track because America is online. I'll just say online. Yeah. They're selling energy. They're not going to buy from me anymore, and, and Europe may buy from them. It's just it's that moment of reflection of saying, there, you know, there's consequence here. Yeah, he's operating like there's not much consequence because he's got the other superpower in his pocket on a 30-year gas deal, right? China, and so that's the thing here. It's just that's a responsible thing to do for me. And, and but it is we have to pray as a nation. Look, we got to repent. We got to pray. Pray for um, President Biden. Yeah. Pray for Kamala Harris. Pray for all, all these people making these destructive decisions, absolutely destructive. And I, I don't even think they appreciate how destructive they are, and they have to be stopped. Yeah. We, have to be, we have to assert ourselves, I would say, to every person who believes in this country and believes in the intrinsic value of human beings. You have to get up out of your chair and say, what are my talents? What was I entrusted with? What am I stewarding? And apply that mm-hmm. to pushing back against all of this harmful and destructive uh, ideas and actions. I mean, we have to stop Putin. Okay, we, I mean, I, I don't believe he stops with Ukraine. No, and, I don't uh, either, actually. I think, and I, and, I, and I said the other day, that slow roll through Ukraine, and I've got a lot of friends in Poland, part of my family's history. I mean, Jewish is from that. I don't think he stops. No, why should why he? Why would he? Yeah, why should he? Yeah. Unless unless something, you know, it's like the every action or every object remains in motion uh, until stopped, right? And, and medic with an equal and opposite force. And so uh, if he's going to be rewarded, which means everyone just sits back and continues to buy his product and, and do nothing effective, you know, um, he's he will continue. He's incentivized to continue. Yeah, yeah. I, see, I, see why, yeah. I don't see why he yeah. wouldn't. I think that Russia and China 
have made very smart moves at every turn. They don't listen to silly ESG narratives. Woke culture. They don't. Yeah, no. they're not. No. <laughs> There's no. They're not very woke. Uh, they make very smart decisions for their country. Yeah. And if I were in their shoes, I would do the same. Only I would respect human life. value, yeah. <laughs> human, human life, value. human yeah. value. Yeah. That's the big difference. You'd use other mechanisms to attain the same goals, and and, and that's why I say this guy's not. You go. He's a madman. No, no, he's, he's, he's not very a calculated, yeah. very calculated. And it's also a reason it's now and not under a Trump. It was risky under a Trump. It was risky under that type of a leadership, whether it's Donald Trump or not, a leadership that's truly pro-America, that's proactive, that's a little unpredictable. It's like, okay, I need to toe the line a little bit here. And so before we go, Jack, I just want to thank Patriot Mobile for helping us put this conversation on. They're amazing. Dial 972 Patriot and mention the bottom line. You're going to get free activation. It's the same towers. But most importantly, as you know, they go with us to the border. They help us to rescue children. They help fund the, uh, the efforts, literally fed the, the ranches on the border that at sometimes are decimated with an open border. So check out Patriot Mobile, 972 Patriot. Mention the bottom line. You'll get free activation. Jackie, this is amazing. It's a fascinating conversation. You've mentioned things. We're going to throw resources up, um, your show, but we're going to reference all the resources you gave us and, and give it to the audience. And and we'll we'll send this to you and cut it up so it's in bite size too. But thank you so much. It's a blessing. I know we can dive into 900 other conversations. Like you're a fly fisherman. Yeah. We can dive into that. Yeah, yeah. You know? absolutely. You mentioned earlier, hey, you better be able to hunt and put. No, it's just true. Some of these skills in, in that I teach my daughters, these are not just things we do. There's a reason. Yeah. There's a reason for them because in the day when you need that tool, hey, I got to eat, so I'll go fish. Yeah. And I can be of value to other people Jackie too. Jackie Deason can go fish Absolutely. and can go feed a community. You know, and I, so, I can feed yeah. myself yeah. from the land for a while. Yeah. yeah. No, fantastic. You're amazing. <laughs> God bless you. Praying you favor of you. So appreciate Thank you. Thank you. And you too. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank Always you. a pleasure. Yeah. Blessings. Thanks, guys. See you next time.